Hello everybody, welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series we're doing called Life in His Story. And uh, this series, what we're doing is we're, we're sort of tying into the, uh, the church calendar, the Christian calendar that's been around for a long time, and we're uh, talking about the major events on that calendar and we're using them as a way to sort of uh, focus our devotional time. And uh, it, to me, it's very helpful, and it helps me know where I'm at in his story. The, the church calendar is really about that. It's a, it's a year uh, of the redemptive life of Jesus and the acts of Jesus and what that looks like. And so uh, in knowing where we're at, um, we sort of, I think, have a better idea of where we fit in his story. And it helps direct our, um, our devotional life by, by being tied into that. And the, the Christian calendar starts with Advent. We talked about that, which is back in December. Then it leads up into Christmas. Uh, you know, the Advent, we talk about Jesus coming and that he's coming again. At Christmas time, we talk about the incarnation. We move into the Epiphany season where we talk about, you know, the, the uh, Jesus being manifest, you know, the start of the Gentiles and all of that and what an Epiphany is and how that looks like. And then we went into a little three-week season that we just came out of. Um, uh, that have Latin names, uh, 70, 60, and 50 days away from Easter, Septuagesima, Sexagesima, and uh, Quinquagesima. And now we've entered into what's known as the season of Lent. Most of you probably haven't heard, if you've never heard of any of the other seasons but Advent, you've heard of Lent, and um, we're in Lent now. So uh, it started Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. And historically, Lent is a time uh, when, we, when we think about um, prayer, we think about fasting, uh, we think about giving. And um, uh, to me, I, I think what we're going to do is we're going to use it as a way to focus in and talk about the, uh, the spiritual life that we have and, and the spiritual battle that we're engaged in as followers of Jesus to just make that very real in our lives. Um, a lot of people will... Um, uh, find something to give up for Lent. You've heard of people, I'm sure you've heard of people that do those things. Um, and really, it's not about giving something up. It's, it's about um, uh, knowing and, and uh, operating in a way that you, it sort of heightens your dependence on God. That's the idea behind that. It's really not to, to earn points or to do anything like that. It's just to heighten our, our reality of how desperately we need God and how that, uh, how that should be heightened when we realize the enormity of the battle that we're in engaged in as believers, and that we sort of keep that at the forefront. Or we kind of slip in uh, in a spot of complacency, not really engaged, and I think the enemy then has a field day in our lives that he shouldn't be uh, allowed to have in the process. And so we're going we're gonna to dig in in these next weeks and talk about, you know, standing up to the attacks of the evil one um, and, and uh, taking a stand against the enemy in the process and incorporating then the ideas of prayer and fasting and, and giving and all the parts of the spiritual life that we're to be involved in. So we're going to dig in today and, and talk about the temptation of Jesus uh, to get us started. But before we do, I always like to do something a little different uh, along the way. And so, uh, so I saw this guy uh, at the Winn-Dixie um, and uh, he, he's, he was older than me, older guy, but uh, um, he had his, uh, he had what I presume was his grandson in the cart with him, and the grandson was really not very happy. And, and uh, a toddler, sort of age, and he's, he's crying, and uh, at times he's screaming just at the top of his lungs there at the, uh, 
the Winn-Dixie. And, and our, our, ca- our paths kept crossing. You know, you know how sometimes when you're at the store and you'll keep running into the same person going down the row in the opposite way. And, and I could hear him talking in a very soft voice um, to, to this child. And, and uh, like, we're almost done, Albert. Try, try not to cry, Albert. Life, life will get better, Albert. And he's trying to console this, the grandson. And, <clears throat> This goes on throughout the store, and we actually end up in the in the same line at the cashier together. He was he was right in front of me, and you know he's carefully you know trying to take care of his his grandson. He brushes the tears from his eyes, and I hear him again softly saying, "Try not to cry, Albert. It's, it's we're going to be home soon, Albert." And as he's paying the cashier, the toddler's continuing to cry, and I I said to him, "You know I, I think you're just doing a, a great job, and how kind you're you're treating little Albert there." And he was quiet for a couple of seconds, and he looked at me, and he said. Um, my grandson's name is John. I'm Albert. <clears throat> I'm Albert. Now, that's not a true story. So most of my Winn-Dixie stories are true, but, but that one is not true. I'm Albert. Don't cry, Albert. You ever feel like doing that? I feel like doing that all the time. I've been, it's funny because this week we've had a computer problem and it seems like computers are going south on us. And there's nothing, well there's lots of things more frustrating than a computer, but the computer problem has really frustrated me. It it somehow just pushes numerous of my buttons. Do you ever have that happen? And it actually fits in with my sermon today um, and what we talk about that. But sometimes I feel like just saying to myself, don't cry Steve. You're going to go home soon, Steve. It's going to be okay, Steve. Don't cry. Scripture reading is out of Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hand so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Now there's uh, some fascinating elements in these verses that I want us to talk about as we sort of engage in um, this idea over the next weeks of Lent of um, taking a stand against um, all the things that the enemy would try and do, a stand against evil and uh, um, looking at the temptation scriptures I think is going to help us in the process and, and one of the things right off the bat I want to talk about is how Jesus uses the word of God, he uses the scripture to, uh, to know what the next right thing to do is. We talk about all the time here what they're you know, doing the next right thing, living by trying to do the next right thing and um, the word of God is an important part of that whole process. We're, we need to listen to the spirit of God but, but we need to know the word of God. Because walking things out in Jesus' way, um, uh, re, you know, is, it's important for us to know the Scripture. Jesus relied on the truth of Scripture as his authority for making decisions. And so I want to encourage you again right off the get-go before I even dig to that. Read this book. 
over and over and over and over and over. That's how you need to read this book. You should read it every day. You should read it whatever it looks like. You should have read the entire thing as many times as you possibly can. Um, uh, it's, it's, make it a part of your daily life. And, and if you're not reading it, let's just start with five minutes. Start there and we'll build up from there. But, but uh, incorporate a regular reading schedule in your life. Then get it to a point where if you're not doing it, you start to feel like you're missing something. That's what needs to happen with the Word of God. And so I'm not, uh, I never pick on anybody. I always want to encourage people, if that's not happening in your life, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. I'm working on something right now that I, I hope to be able to give to everybody on Easter. That If you haven't got a good process, it'll help you on the process. But, but start something. Um, something. Read something. Read the proverb of the day. Read a few psalms every day. Find a Bible reading plan and stick to it. Um, if you, if you, some, you know, I, one of the reasons I think sometimes Bible reading plans don't work for people is that they, um, they get set on this thing and it's like, um, make, okay, this year, I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to read. And then life happens and they miss a couple of days. And then they feel like they got three days worth of reading. Listen, just consider this a lifelong process. If you miss a couple of days, you'll be back to them next year. I always, I always think that's the best way to do it. And then the pressure comes off. And you'll be surprised. You'll get back into it. And you might catch up to those anyway. But if you, if you get to that whole thing where now I've blown it and I can't do it and you just stop, that's, that's, that's a problem. So um, find something that you enjoy. Reading of Scripture should never be a chore. So if it starts to feel like a chore, you're probably doing too much. Build up to it. It's like anything else that we do. It's like um, exercising or anything. You've got to start... Um, in chunks that you enjoy and then build up to doing more. If you, if you jump right into trying to read, you know, a half an hour a day of scripture and you, 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 you might get frustrated and not do it. But if you work up to it, you can, you can do it easily. Uh, so start somewhere and, and make it a daily part of your life. Trust me, it's, it by and large will be one of the best decisions you will ever make. In my whole life as a believer, one of the best things I've ever done is get serious about reading the Bible in a, in a personal way. Um, I've read it my, most of my Christian life. After I got saved, I got involved in ministry fairly quickly um, and then studied. And after about five years of being saved, was full-time in the ministry. Um, and, and I always had to read the book in preparation and in, uh, you know, just sort of in a business way. But when I made it part of my personal life, significant part of it, started to really change the way that life happens and that you see life. And so I want to encourage you to find a plan that works for you and stick to it and, and do it every day and, and just make that, make that a part of your life. Make it happen. Because if we don't know the book, the problem is if you, you can get, it can get twisted on you. And, and the enemy loves to twist it just a little bit. And by twisting it just a little bit, it takes the truth and makes it not the truth. And that's what he's doing in the temptation scriptures. Um, for example, when the enemy tries to get Jesus to jump from a high place, he uses a scripture from Psalm 91, 11 and 12. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He's quoting scripture. But Jesus, see, knows the scripture. And, and you think, well, if he's quoting it, how's he twisting it? He's taking it out of context. Because he doesn't include verses 9 and 10. The enemy doesn't when he reads it. If you make, 9 and 10 says this, if you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then 
No harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. There's, a, there's an if-then clause in front of that scripture. And when you grab it out of context, it says something that it doesn't really say. That's why you have to know the entire scripture. It, it, that verse, um, that if-then clause makes it clear that God's protection is for events that befall his servants, not as an excuse to go out and seek such dangers. You see how that one thing out of context would make you think, nothing could ever happen to me. But it's a fallen world on a broken planet. It's not true. What it, what it does say is that God's got you, and, and if you're doing you know, his will and walking out his ways and moving into things, he's, he's going to take care of you now and forever. Um, and even that may not work out the way you want it to, but that's a whole other thing altogether. <laughs> um, so, so I want to encourage you then to take it on a, a, just a, a daily reading of Scripture. Please make it a part of your life. And, uh, um, you know, if, if this time of year, people are often thinking about things they give up. Rather than that, let's think about how we can add this, all right? And so if you're going to get up something, get rid of something that frees up some time every day and add this, all right? Um, I can think of lots of things that you could, you know, uh, I shouldn't give you my list, but, uh, but <laughs> think of something you're doing right now that's basically completely unproductive for 15 minutes a day. Toss that and add scripture reading. Just five, and you'll have the other 10 minutes to do something else, okay? So let's work on that. All right, so that's the first thing. We've got to to take that on. I want to encourage you here. That is an exhortation um, and an encouragement that time in the scripture every day will change your life in ways that nothing else will. Uh, And and that's all I can promise you. It will absolutely impact your life in ways that nothing else will. Another thing that we learned from the temptation scriptures that we read is that the evil one um, uses the same tricks constantly throughout history to try and get us to fall. We've talked about this before, before but, but people forget these things. So I want to bring them back out to you. Um, uh, today, as we move into this season and we talk about spiritual battle, so that you can be more aware of the tricks that the enemy throw on you to tempt you and to distract you in, in our lives. Um, and Genesis 3, 6, way back at the fall, we're going to see a very similar set of, of temptations that, that um, befall Adam and Eve that happened with Jesus. Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. That's the fall. And um, in, in that whole discussion there, the enemy did the same thing to them. Look, isn't this apple look great? You're going to like it if you eat it. And he, and he runs them through these same three temptations. And the temptations are this, listed for us in 1 John 2.16. This is out of the New King James, because it's the way I like it's written. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Those are the three tricks. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, I've taught on this before. I asked people before I started if they could name all three, and nobody that I asked could give me all three back. That's why I know it's time to talk about it again. They could get one or two of them, but not all three of them, and I want you to know all three. The lust of the eye the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so let's talk about what they look like in our lives, how they looked in Adam and Eve, to Adam and Eve in that temptation, how they looked at Jesus, and then how he uses them against us. And they're, they're almost those three, that's it. The enemy doesn't have a huge bag full of tricks. He just kind of rewrites and reworks those three. If you know what those three are, and you're spending some time in the Word, then, then hopefully you can quickly stand and do battle against evil. All right, number one, the lust of the flesh. First part of 2.16, 1 John 2.16, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. Um, with Adam and Eve, that temptation was that, that fruit looked good for food. 
With Jesus, the whole temptation thing was you can turn these stones to bread because he'd been fasting for 40 days. With us, the temptation always looks like this. Um, culturally, we're, we're, we're lost in this thing that if it feels good, do it. That, that somehow that's become the most important thing in life is that, you know, it's all about us feeling good. And uh, it's, it's one of the prevailing ideas and attitudes of our culture. And what it ends up doing is saying that there is no absolute truth. There's really no right or wrong. It's basically all about me and what I want and what I feel like doing. And if it feels good and I want to do it, then I'm going to do it. And I just don't care about anyone or anything else. And unfortunately, that's, that's just rampant in our culture and in the church and, and all over the place. It's just, it's just permeated everything, that, that concept that, you know, by golly, if, if, if I want it, if it feels good, I ought to be able to do it, and nobody can tell me different, and it doesn't matter what anything says. And, and it's a very, very um, strong temptation and trap. And it happens everywhere. It's, it, uh, I see it, you know, in my own life, I see it in everybody's life, that, that it's, a, it's a strong pull that we need to be aware of. Because there are things that are more important than just happen to, you know, feeling good at any particular moment. It's never worth compromising for. It's a trick. It's a trap. And people, people just fall for it all the time. And, and, you know, the justification is usually, well, God wants me to be happy. And, and my answer is, well, of course God wants you to be happy. But he doesn't want you to compromise to get there. It's not really happy. If you've got to do something that you know is wrong in order to be happy, then you're not really happy. It's, that's a feeling thing, and it's not true. If you, have to, if you have to go against what you know to be true in order to achieve happiness, you're, you're walking a bad road and a bad, bad path. And, and it's the enemy. He's having a field day. And he's just like, yeah. It's, it's, it's a trick. It's a trap. And so be aware of it in your life. Watch out for it to happen. So, and be careful. The lust of the eyes is the second one. The lust of the eyes. First John 2.16 says that. The lust of the eyes. With Adam and Eve, again, the fruit was beautiful to look at. With Jesus, he took them up and said, all this I will give you. With us, you know, it's a materialism thing, another huge part uh, of our culture that we have to deal with. Um, um, and, you know, the advertising industry just reinforces it. And um, they make us think that if we don't have the latest and the greatest of everything, then life's not complete. And um, we buy into that all the time. And we, 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 we really fall into the, one of the greatest traps of that whole thing has been um, not telling you how much something costs the total, but how much it is every month instead. You know how, you ever seen how that happens almost everywhere you go now? You see something like, and it's a big, big ticket item, and you can barely find the price. It just says $49 a month. And, and you, you, oh, because, you know, we can always scrounge up $49 a month, right? Um, so, and, and we get trapped. Just say, well, I got to have it. Life won't work without it. I need it desperately. You know that. I've been, you know, I oh, really got to have that. And it's only $49 a month. And we almost don't even ask what it really costs. You know, it's, it's $49 a month for the rest of your life. <laughs> and, and then, you know, your kids got to finish paying for it for the rest of their lives. Because it's never really paid for. But it's a trap. And we've just bought into it. And it's, it's fueled by this, I got to have it or my life's not going to be any good. And I, I, I'm not, again, I, you know, I fall into those things all the time. I, I really struggle with you know, and I, I try and make better decisions. Um, so, so, and, and so th- this was progress, I think. My, my iPhone, I, I have an iPhone. I love my iPhone. And, and uh, they have the iPhone 5. Is that the latest one now? Is the 5, right? Not a 5S, just a 5. 
Okay, so the iPhone 5 came out, and I thought, oh, I really would like that iPhone 5, because it does some neat stuff. And I had an iPhone 4 at the time, and my iPhone 4 was getting near the end of its sort of life. It had cracks in it. It wasn't working as good as it could. Man, I really could use that 5. You know how you start working on that? And it wouldn't have been, I don't think it would have been a bad thing for me to get it. But what I did was I bought another iPhone 4 for 99 cents. And uh, I'm like, score. <laughs> it's like brand new. It works good. All of my, you know, and I don't, so it's not the latest and the greatest, but it's pretty good. So I work on that, but, but, but then I bought a new iPad. So anyway, it... <laughs> I did buy the two, though, and not the three. See, or the four, whatever's out. I, it's scaling back. I'm just, if I can stay a level behind everything, that's really good still. You know what I mean? But, uh, and, I, and I pay for it. But, you know, the, I get the trick in the trap, though. And it's like, but we've just got to be very careful. And that's a, that's a, it's a definite trap. Because if the enemy can get you so consumed with stuff, that's, how, that's what you'll spend your life doing. It's just paying for your stuff. And you don't get to enjoy life. At that point, you don't get to enjoy that stuff either. Because now it's just, how am I going to pay for all this stuff? Because I $49 myself to death. And, and now I'm trapped. And then everything falls apart. And not a good thing. The pride of life, number three. The pride of life. This is the biggie. The other ones are, but this one is the biggie. Um, verse 216c says the pride of life. And with Adam and Eve, you know, the fruit was desirable for gaining wisdom. They, they would be like God. That's the pride of life. With Jesus, you know, like, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, kind of baiting him in the process. But Jesus knew who he was, so he didn't, he didn't buy in. With us, um, all this stuff works together and hits us with the, the whole um, I did it my way thing. And we're, we're um, culturally, and it's, it's good and bad, we've, we, we're fiercely um, independent in a lot of ways. And we start believing that, that the only way that we can really make it, we have to do it in our own strength. If, if it's going to be, it's up to me kind of thinking. And, uh, you know, it's like making a hero out of the Lone Ranger. Um, you, you know, we, we can't survive that way. You weren't created that way. God didn't make you that way. And yet we've taken that, that that's what it looks like. You know, we, we're going to be strong and independent. But the reality is you were created to be dependent on God, completely dependent on God, and interdependent on other people. That's how you're made and wired. To operate apart from that is, is, uh, is not healthy and it's not good for you and it's not the way we're supposed to, to make it. Um, we were created to exist in community, to be in relationship with God and with others. And what that requires is us to be a people that walk in humility, not pride. And that's why we fight against it so much. Um, um, we, we, we're convinced, you know, well, if I make it in community, then, you know, this is not, what did I do? But, but see, that's how you make it. And, and that's where life is really found. I, I think, you know, I was talking about frustrating the computer. I think that's why sometimes we get so frustrated about little things because it's like, it's like life not working the way we want it to impacts our pride. And, and you know, hey, you know, I'm trying to do it right. It's a little thing like this ought to work. And yet it can take us into really bad places. And I was thinking about that and then I remembered, have you ever had, I had a gnat one time. A little gnat, you ever had a gnat? Just recently, and it almost, I almost lost my mind because of one gnat that kept flying and hitting my nose. And I was working. One gnat. And, 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 you know, you do that a couple of times. You know what I mean? And then, how can something, I don't know, one billionth my size, literally take me to the edge where I, I, I jumped up and was like, ah! ah! 
And then it came back again. <laughs> and, and see, it's just, it's a frustration and an irritation, but it happens because we're not really where we need to be. It was a gnat. It, really, it was just, it was a nothing. But see, the enemy likes to get us in those spots where a little irritation pushes us over the edge. And then, then we're not good for anybody. We're not good for mission. We're not good for the purpose of our lives. We're, we're not good in the kingdom. We just, we just miss the whole point. And, and, uh, and so we, we need to be aware of these things that are happening in our lives. And the, the bottom line is this. To all these temptations, the reality is we don't have to give in to any of them. And that's what the encounter with Jesus shows us. Jesus, uh, even though he was experiencing the full power, the full onslaught of temptation from the evil one stood firm until the evil one gave up. And that gives us great hope. See, he stood firm and the evil one gave up. Adam and Eve caved and they've sort of been our unfortunate model for all this time. But Jesus is our new model and he stood up and he didn't give in. And, and, so, and yet he knows what it feels like to be pressured to give up, but he didn't. And, and because he knows what it's like to be us, he, he understands us and he wants to help us when we're going through it. So what we need to do is, is rather than, than giving in to those things, we're getting all pride like we can make it all work in our own strength, is we need to go running back to him. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The antidote for falling into the trap of temptation is to seek God's will and to know his way so that you can choose to do the next right thing. So we need to be connected with him. We need to be reading the word. We need to access the throne room of God, receive grace and mercy that we need in our time of need, and he'll help us deal with these things of life, to get our focus off of these, the things of the world and onto Jesus, because that's where real life is found. Nothing the world has to offer even begins to compare with the life that's found in the kingdom of God. That's when we get into a season like this where we give something up, it's really, I mean... None of it compares. There's nothing that's, that's worth hanging on to. Uh, and, and that's the idea behind it. Because everything in the kingdom is better than anything in the world. Get your direction for life from the word and from the spirit of God. And, and that will allow us to experience life in his story as we live for him. Amen? Amen. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you so much for taking this time with us. We appreciate your time. We know how valuable it is. Uh, we'd encourage you to visit if you're ever in Big Pine. Come and check us out. Um, if you need prayer, go to our website at keysvineyard.com and uh, send us a prayer request and we'll be praying for you. And we hope to see you again soon on uh, the TV or the internet. So God bless you.